Every day, 34 people in their 20s and 30s are diagnosed with cancer. On the 7th of July 2015, I was one of the 34. On the 28th of August 2008, I was one of the 34. These are the stories of what happens afterwards. This is Afterthoughts. This episode of Afterthoughts is created in partnership with Life Effects by Teva and supported by Trekstock. Alice, here we are. Here we are again. You're very singy, singy today, you know that. <laughs> full of song. Always full of song. Is that because we're, we're reaching towards Easter? Um, and uh, lots of chocolate eggs. And yeah, there's a massive box downstairs that I'm really hoping is my Easter egg from Chris. How big are we talking? Like, like the size of my torso. What? <laughs> would he would he get you an Easter egg that big? I don't know. We set each other a thirty pound budget for Easter eggs for the first year <laughs> ever this year. What? We've never bought each other an Easter egg before. And then we were like, oh, well, because it's just us this year. Should we like be excessive? We've never bought each other Easter eggs. I was like, should we set each other an excessive Easter egg budget this year and buy each other ridiculous Easter eggs? Because it's just the two of us. Um, And yeah. £30? Yeah. You can get Easter eggs for a quid. Yeah. We've gone all out. That's what lockdown's done to us. I am really excited to see this. I hope you post something on uh, your socials. No, I'm going to send you a direct message. Yeah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, not a direct message, like a WhatsApp. If it's the same size as your body, it could have your cat hiding inside it. No, the cat's somewhere around. No, I know that, but you could put the cat inside it. Why would I put the cat inside some chocolate? Then it would have hair inside. That's all true. Yes, anyway, it's Easter Sunday, the day after the day after tomorrow exciting time apparently i'm delirious how are you yeah i'm all right and we are we are very excited that on today's episode of our thoughts we have had uh, miranda join us uh, yes. or as i like to call miranda the john ham superfan the john ham superfan who also goes by the name of mizzy which i just think is the most fantastic nickname i do like we like yeah i feel like um should have called her mizzy more often yeah than, maybe um, i'll start calling you tizzy so uh, <laughs> Miranda is uh, has so many fantastic stories and is really honest throughout her, of her experience of having Absolutely. secondary breast cancer and um, living uh, with and beyond uh, the diagnosis. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's going to be something that I really hope that you, all our listeners are going to really like take something from because I feel like Miranda's gave us so much. Yeah, absolutely. So um, shall we head on into the conversations we had with Miranda? Let's do it. All right. Hi, Alice. Hello, Toby. <laughs> How are you today? I'm right, sun. thanks. You're in the sun. <laughs> Am I? Am I in the sun again? Yeah, it's a nice oh. nice thing to do. Yeah, it's not actually that sunny here, but um, yeah, how are you? I am very well, thank you. I'm very excited to uh, be here for another episode of Afterthoughts. Yes, and I am so excited that we are joined by Miranda. Miranda, welcome to Afterthoughts. Hello, welcome. Thank you very much. Oh, we are so happy to have you here. And uh, Toby and I have already been admiring your fantastic Blade Runner unicorn top. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? 
Well, uh, Blade Runner is one of those movies that I absolutely love. I had to watch it for um, A-level media studies um, and assess it. Um, I think it was made, was it made in 90, no, 82 when the year I was born? Ah. So that as well. And it was directed by Ridley Scott, who um, lived in the Northeast and I lived in the Northeast. Actually, the first opening scene of um, when you see all of the flames coming out of um, of Los Angeles, he based it on Middlesbrough. He did because not. Of, yeah, because obviously they had all of this, um, was it the steel works and the gas yeah. works? Yeah, out of Teesside. I never knew yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based fact, on I, I'm from not that far from Teesside, from Middlesbrough. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, Miranda, yeah. I'm going to ask the question about the sequel. Were you a lover or a hater? I loved it. I thought it was, I was like really worried. Like when they came out of it, I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then it came out and I was like, actually, this is really, really fantastic. Because I read the books that obviously, um, what's it, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And it's a lot, it's a lot different if you read the book and you watch the movie, but you can appreciate both separately and together mm. but the I think the sequel was really well thought out um it had to be they couldn't you know there was there's too much riding on it I thought, um, and it's so beautifully filmed I mean we are yeah. diving into the likes yeah, of them, lots of film chat you two you chat. two could chat for hours <laughs> about film I loved it I loved it I loved it um Alice shall we dive into um because we are uh in series three of Afterthoughts, we we have um, rejigged our quickfire questions. Yes, we have um, rejigged our quickfire questions. Should and we, dive we straight to... into them. And uh, Miranda, are you ready for our quickfire questions? I am all set. Come on, bring it on. All right, okay. okay. So because we like to talk about the person, the human before the cancer, we're going to hit you with our quickfire questions. So, Miranda, please can you tell us the pronouns that you use? She, her. Miranda, who do people say that you look like? I look like... Oh, that's a very funny question. Not funny question. Um... I don't know. A lot of people just look, think I look like any other black person. I guess. Do do you Missy Elliott? Missy, Missy Elliott. Oh, when she a lost great weight. To look like. Nice. Yeah. Um, what film defines your childhood? Supergirl. Oh, nice, nice. Miranda, who is your hero? Oh, that's a tough one. My hero. Um, you know what? I'm going to choose me. I'm my own hero. Yes, girl. <laughs> Love that. Amazing. Um, do you have any nicknames? Um, yes, what are they? Yes. Mizzy, um, Tram, Mimi, Murmur, Mermaid, <laughs> Mandy. That's pretty much it, I think. Nice. Amazing. Miranda, if you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what song would you listen to? Swing Out Sister, Breakout. Nice. Roller coasters, love them or hate them? Love them. Mm. What is your favourite way to eat a potato? 
Chippy chips. Nice, nice. Um, and Miranda, please could you give us a one-line summary of your diagnosis? Rubbish. <laughs> yes, fair. Um, but could you tell us um, what it was for the listeners? Oh, so um, I was initially diagnosed with primary breast cancer August 2014. Um, I was in remission from November 2015 up until February 2019 when I was diagnosed with secondary breast cancer. First up on Afterthoughts, we have the pleasure of diving into a story about beyond a diagnosis. So this part of the podcast, we always focus on looking at a story that is not that diagnosis story, because we get to like that, hear that story and tell that story a lot. So we want to focus on perhaps one of those moments that occurs after that moment. So Miranda, I'm going to pass over to you for your beyond the diagnosis story. So I was um, put on chemotherapy um, and immunotherapy. So after the second dose, um, I started to feel quite unwell. My temperature had raised. My mum was really worried because I'd lived with my mum. So um, I went to the GP. The GP was like, okay, um, let's just keep an eye on it. Um, But by the time I got from the GP back home, my temperature had risen. So I called the, um, because I'm based at the Royal Marsden, I called their out of hours Macmillan team. Um, And they said, right, okay, um, the best thing is because you've recently had chemotherapy, come in and we'll do some blood tests. We do two tests. We have the true score and the new score. So if you are low on one of them, we would have just sent you home with antibiotics. But because you're low on both of the tests we're going to keep you in so I was like right okay another hospital stay um during the uh, bank holiday as well and I'm just in bed just like woe is me (laughs) feeling a bit sorry for myself um but luckily I was only hospitalized for four days and then they just said look just take things easy and I was like okay I'm due to go and see um, to go to Buckingham Palace because I've won tickets with work to go to the um, Queen's Garden party and I really can't miss it. I really want to go to Buckingham Palace. It's gonna, I'm going to be like, it's going to be so amazing. So I decided to just like self-isolate, do not go out, to stay in my room all the time, stay in the house all the time. That's why I've been okay with this like pandemic and staying indoors because I've had to do it in 2019. So like, Last year, it was just like a breeze. It was just finally managed to um, get to work because I had another person who won tickets at work. So it was literally a 10-minute walk from where I worked to Buckingham Palace because we actually worked on Buckingham Palace Road. So pretty handy. So um, so walked there. It was really drizzly that day because I was wearing um, my mum's African print because I wanted to just kind of represent you know, the the motherland and everything. And people were like really appreciative because there's a dress code as well and you have to wear a hat. But if you're wearing national costume and your national costume doesn't have a hat, you don't have to wear a hat. But I did wear a headpiece, which was like amazing. And everyone was like, oh, where are you from? Are you from somewhere like 
like Nigeria was or like Sierra Leone or Ghana and I was like half oh, from Ghana so it was a real topic of conversation so I really stood out they had them the afternoon tea which was really lovely had like salmon sandwiches had like Victoria sponge cake which was really nice Prince Harry had just got married yeah he had he just got married? No, he just had the baby. That's it. Because I had knitted something for the baby. And we were just on the grounds. And one of the bodyguards was like, um, excuse me, um, we want someone to talk to um, Princess Beatrice. She likes talking to young people. Would you mind talking to Princess Beatrice? And we're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I was chuffed because I was like 37 at the time and I was like class as being young and I was like, yes, she thinks I'm like in her 20s. Yeah, brilliant. And um, so we had to have like lessons and how to, um, is it genuflect or like how to how to bow and how to like pronounce like her, her name and you have to say like your Royal Highness first of all and then afterward you have to say mom or ma'am whatever um so got talking and she was really lovely she's really really short she's I would say she's she was wearing heels but I would say she was about five two something like that and she has the most amazing jade eyes she's got really big bright eyes that's what I really noticed and she was really really nice and she was like oh thank you for coming you know, it's really nice that you, you, you've made the effort to come here and oh, thank you for coming and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, it was touch and go that I was going to come because I was actually hospitalised just before I was just due to come here because I've just recently been diagnosed with secondary breast cancer. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. I hope you're you're well enough to be here and you've made the effort to come here and really appreciate that. And it's really nice that you've know, made the effort. And then we had to go through Buckingham Palace to leave. And I had a big bag. And then um, I obviously didn't see Prince Harry. Um, Well, I saw him from afar, but not enough to be able to give him because I knitted. He just had the baby, baby Archie. So I didn't have enough time to give him the the knitted stuff. I knitted a hat and booties and mittens. So I talked to one of the staff. And the staff were like, okay, well, if you send it to um, Kensington Palace, then like they'll get it. So that's what I did. And then like a month later, I got like a card saying, thank you for sending baby Archie um, a gift. And I've, I've got it in a nice frame. So, so yay. I love the stories that you hear about, about cancer patients who are just so determined to do things like go to Buckingham Palace. And mine was like, after my mastectomy, I was just really determined to get home before the new series of Bake Off started. Next up on Afterthoughts, we're going to be talking about the invisible impacts. We all know the visible impacts, the things you see in the movies, the hair loss, the sickness, the weight loss, although lots of us who've been on steroids would say it's weight gain. Um, But we want to talk more about the invisible impacts, the things you can't see. So Miranda, we're going to hand over to you to hear a story about the invisible impacts of cancer. So when you um, initially are given details about chemotherapy um, and you have to sign off that you agree to have chemotherapy, 
Um, they give you loads of literature to read over in terms of side effects and such like. It's, it's a bit overwhelming at first because they give you a lot of paperwork, a lot of paperwork. So sometimes you just get bogged down and it's a bit of a fog. And obviously you're being told a lot of things, a lot of information. It's a bit of over, you know, information overload. So you're just bombarded by all this stuff. And it's just like, right, I need to slow down, you know, take things a bit easy. But um, you go through all the literature and it goes through all the things that you should and shouldn't do, um, like, you know, eating like um, grapefruit juice or, or you shouldn't eat grapefruit because it might re- react with the chemotherapy. And you're like, okay. And they're all under different headers. And then one, one header is just like sex. And you're like, oh, oh, all right, okay. Let me look into that a bit further. And then it's like, okay, so if you're in a loving relationship, um, there is a train of thoughts that basically um, you should protect yourself because there might be some form of um, treatment that's in your vaginal or sperm fluids that could be passed on. So um, basically, you should be careful. Um, otherwise, the other person might develop like flu-like symptoms. Um, and I was like, oh, right. That's something that I never really considered. And it's just there in black and white. And thank you for putting it down. Um, I will think about that um, in great pleasure. <laughs> so what I did was I was like, just letting people know how my treatment was going like because it was my first treatment and I said oh and by the way um, on my Facebook by the way um, if I have sex I need to wear a condom because um, I could cause chemo dick a chemo cock and people were like right okay um, this is something we have never ever considered we always think about you know hair loss or tooth loss or you know, losing your eyebrows, losing your eyelashes, that sort of thing. But it was good in a way because I was educating my friends and they were like, oh, okay. Like, I know you're making a joke out of it, but this is actually a serious issue. Next up on Afterthoughts, we are going into the Those Around Us section, which is an opportunity for us to tell the story of the others who go through the experience of cancer with us. Um, So Miranda, I'm going to pass over to you for your Those Around Us story. Well, I've always kind of been the type of person to like offer advice anyway, um, regardless of cancer or not. But when people were kind of like, um, like a friend of mine was going through a divorce and he felt that he couldn't tell me he was going through a divorce and I was like well why do you feel that you have to be that way and he said oh well you've, you've got things going on which are really bad and it's like well maybe I kind of need that distraction and also like I'm still the, I'm still me you know you can still come to me if you, if you need to you know I'll help you in, in any way I can so obviously when I got diagnosed, um, I was very open about it um, in order just to make sure that people knew what, first of all, what I was going through and to, to be able to educate people and let them know signs to look for and, you know, that sort of thing. So I kind of became a sort of like conduit for, for cancer. So when people had any issues, they would come to me 
and they would like ask things like, oh, I found the lump or I found the rash, what shall I do? So I'll say, look, first of all, obviously go to your doctor, blah, 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 that sort of thing. And then a few people, um, like someone I went to university with, she like contacted me and she was like, oh, basically um, a good friend of mine, she's just been diagnosed. I really don't know what to do. Obviously, it's really distressing. She's really distressed. I don't want to show my distress to her. What shall I do? And I said, well, basically, don't treat her as the cancer. She's still your friend. Treat her as your friends, you know. Talk about what you used to talk about, like going to gigs or, you know, the the man you used to fancy, that sort of thing. But also talk about the alternative in terms of, okay, how can I help her through this situation? So doing things like offering to cook her a meal or do her cleaning, or I, I think that people, they want to help, but they don't know how to help. So I think being able to do something like that shows shows how much you love them and shows how much you care and shows how much they're in your full for me I've always and I've always said this I've always wanted to turn this negative thing into a positive I've had like people private message me and say thank you for letting me know about what you're going through now I'm you know I I double check my breast or I double check for this or you know if someone talks about it I'm able to give them a bit more advice I feel like I can go to my doctor more, that sort of thing. And it's just, it's. I feel good because I'm able to make that sort of impact on someone's life positively. Especially me being like a queer black woman. It's, um, I'm always talking about representation. Representation is key. So people like see me and they'll think, oh, me too. Like, oh, I can identify with her because she's black or you know she's bisexual or she's from South London or you know her parents are from Ghana and they can like associate with that thing and they have that connection and then think oh okay if that's happening to her then you know it's happening to me as well and I can be a bit more open about things or I can share things or I can look into things a bit more because it it really does make a difference in terms of impact I think and um, being able to see yourself or see someone who you know looks like you and you think oh me too that sort of thing and I think that is really underappreciated so that's why that's another reason why I'm like so visible with social media and stuff and sharing my story because I want to be able to show that you know it's not just a monolith you know there's different layers there's different colors you know And I think it's very, very important. The next section on Afterthoughts is Lost Conversations. We're talking about so much more stuff with regards to cancer than we ever have before, but there's still some conversations that we aren't having. This section aims to shine a light on some of those things, some of the things that we aren't talking about that we should be. So Miranda, I'm going to hand over to you so that you can tell us about a lost conversation you wish we were having. Just a note to say that Miranda talks quite a lot about secondary breast cancer here. So if this is a topic which might be sensitive for you, you might want to skip on through this section. Well, um, 
Okay, so I do a lot for Breast Cancer Now. And um, I did a campaign for them um, a few years back with Marks and Spencers um, for their sportswear range, um, where they gave like 10% of all sales to, to the charity. So the charity on their social media were um, following up on this, saying, um, you know, this is what we did in 2000, I can't remember, 2017 or whatever. And basically, um, because of the type of cancer that Miranda has, a third of it comes back through recurrence or through secondary breast cancer. And a few people on the threads took exception to this. They're like, oh, I don't want to hear about this. This is ridiculous. I'm going through it enough as it is. I don't want to hear about um, reoccurrence or secondary breast cancer. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a beat and I'm going to reply. And I'm not going to bash anyone. I'm just going to lay down the facts as they are. And I was like, look, I'm not a model. This is me talking about my experience. The reality is when you're hormone responsive, a third of it, it does come back. And they were like, oh, well, I don't want, there should be a trigger warning. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Yes, there should be a trigger warning. And I've explained, you know, there should be one and the charity should put a trigger warning on there. And that's fine. But the reality is, this is what ha- is happening. And you can't change that fact. And I was like, no, I don't want to read about it. And I was like thinking, um, oh, okay. So you're on a breast cancer page and you don't want to know about statistics about breast cancer it's okay that's a bit weird maybe you're sticking your head in the in the sand and the person was like no I'm not sticking my head in the sand how dare you say that blah 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 and I was like look at the end of the day you might not want to hear it but you're denying other people the opportunity to know the facts and by you not wanting that to be there that's that's not fair and you know I was like, look, I wish you well on your journey. You know, I hope that you're you're well. I hope that everything, you know, gets sorted out for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm here to educate people. And a lot of people actually were like, oh, thank you for letting me know. I had no idea this, is a, this was a thing. You know, I wasn't told about this, you know. And, and, and that's the thing. People aren't told about this. I, if I knew, like, having that cough for so long was a sign of the cancer coming back I would have probably have gone to the GP a lot sooner than I than I had done and it's just knowing that information and being being told that information I think a lot of GPs either aren't aware or just don't have the time because they've only got like 10 minutes to talk to each patient you know it impacts a lot so um I know there's um charities like um after breast cancer diagnosis, ABCD, um, run by um, Joe Taylor, um, and she's got like an information. Um, she's got an info card which shows like signs to look for and to 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 know. And I think you need we need that impact. People need to know in order to help themselves and help other people. 
next up on Afterthoughts, we have a new section called Not Your Average, which is for us to focus on the stories of young people who've had cancer of a time that they might have gone through, which somebody who has never experienced cancer will not have, and highlighting the, the differences in those lives. So, Miranda, over to you for Not Your Average. So, I did the Great North Rum, um, my first Great North Rum, in um, 2014, um, which was a bit of a year because my dad had died, um, and um, actually doing a half marathon was really good for my mental health. I actually came off um, antidepressants at the time, and then my dad died, and then... um, he died in February, he was buried in the June, found a lump in July, got diagnosed in August. Um, during that time, I was training to do a Great North Run, um, had a personal trainer, still wanted to do it. So it's in my medical notes that I did the Great North Run, which was like amazing, because that was one of the questions they asked. They were like, okay, so you've got cancer, have you got any questions? And I was like, okay, so I've been training to do a half marathon, can I still do it? And they were like, um, you're a little bit crazy, aren't you? Okay, you seem to be fit, so you can still do it. So that was on the Sunday. Did it in two hours, 32 minutes, 22 seconds. Still remember. Um, that was on the Sunday. On the Monday, I came back from Newcastle back to London. In that time, I got a phone call saying, right, okay, you can see the facility doctor on the Tuesday um there's a few issues that we need to talk about are you in a relationship said no said right we need to talk about this because of issues and I was like right okay so there might be an issue where you need to pay for funding and I was like right okay so I'm being penalized for being single right okay let's talk about this on Tuesday so saw the facility doctor on Tuesday had um Bit, bit weird he was he was lovely um had to um have a camera shoved up my chuff um while he looked at things um and then that's when I found out I've got polycystic ovary syndrome um because he was like oh your um ovaries look a bit large um yeah you've got PCOS and I was like right so as well as cancer I've got PCOS great okay so they were like okay so we can um Extract your eggs, but because you've got PCOS, um, your cycle obviously isn't as regular as normal people. So we're going to have to wait about a month until um, we can extract the eggs and then have them frozen. Now, at this moment in time, you've told us that you are single, you're not in a relationship. So we can extract the eggs, but um, they are more viable if they are fertilized so you would have to pay for um a sperm donor i was like right okay that's fine they don't come cheap or at all available on the nhs that's fine you want to use the eggs then um when you have them unfrozen that you would have to pay for that as well and i was like right okay so if i was in a relationship i wouldn't have to pay no, you wouldn't have to pay. So I'm basically being penalised for being single. Pretty much, yeah. I was like, right, okay. There's nothing I can do. 
that's how it is with your health authority. Um, I mean, I could have asked for a second opinion, but, you know, I'll just... There was a lot of things going on my mind at, the, at that moment in time. So I was like, right, okay, let's just um, deal with that. Um, and then that was on the Tuesday. So I saw the oncology team on the Wednesday at the Royal Marsden. And they were like, okay, so we've had a look at your cancer. Your tumour is grade three, which is the worst type of tumour you could have. It's like very fast growing. It's very aggressive. Um, and basically you should have had chemo like last month. That's how bad your cancer is. So there's not enough time. And I was like, right, okay, I've got to think about things now rather than an alternative, alternative, you know, life. You know, it's not back to the future with Biff, owning like Biffco. <laughs> you know, I have to think about what's going on now not an alternative and you and the, what's going on now is I'm single I'm not in a relationship I need to think about how things are going to be impacted on me straight away think about the present so I was like right okay let's just there's not enough time to have any eggs frozen or extracted let's just go ahead with whatever you're doing and they were like okay so it's Wednesday today we'll start chemo tomorrow on the Thursday so from doing the great north run on the Sunday, and then starting chemo on the Thursday, which was Thursday, the September the 11th, which is another great anniversary to have. Um, and then I put that on my Facebook because people were like, oh, it's so great that you've done the great North Run, you've done it in the great time. Oh, you're so amazing. And then I was like, by the way, I've got cancer and I'm having chemo today. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> like you just done a half marathon and you're having chemo. What? What? And I was like, yeah, but I just wanted to keep things like a bit quiet um, and then just tell everyone rather than just, you know, tell. Like, I've told like a few select people because there's certain people that, you know, best friends that I wanted to know. The fertility situation, it's uh, it's difficult because obviously my health trust um, they've heavily cut um, IVF um, because they need to save money. Um, it depends on where you are in the country because I'm in Croydon. Um, and it, it is a postcode lottery at the end of the day. And as well as that, it's being told, being able to be told, you know, that you're eligible for stuff. I know people who've been, who didn't even know it was an option. It was like, oh, like, I've got cancer, that's it. Having biological children is, is not an option. Fertility is an issue that cancer patients have to consider and think about that not necessarily other people would have to consider and take for granted. And last up, as always, we are heading into the final section of Afterthoughts, which is don't laugh, because believe it or not, sometimes cancer can be funny. So Miranda, over to you to try and make Toby and I laugh with your don't laugh cancer story. Okay, so a friend of mine that I went to school with, so I've known her for nearly 30 years, has contacts at Channel 4. And I was um, being 
dealing with uh, primary breast cancer. And she knew I was a massive fan of John Hamm, who is like, we're going to, we actually going to get married. I've sorted it. I've, I've spoken to the universe. It's all out there. We are getting married. It's happening. Don't worry about it. You will be invited to the wedding. So she's got contacts in Channel 4. It was when Black Mirror was, um, they had an episode called White Christmas and they were doing a press um, release. So she managed to get me into this press-like release um, room at Channel 4 to watch it because she knew I was a massive fan of John Hamm because he was going to be there. So managed to get in, all done up. I just had chemo a week before, so I was completely bald, had no hair, looked a mess, but I was like, look, John Hamm's going to be there. I'm going to drag myself out of the, drag myself out of my sit bed just to see John Hamm. So then <laughs> managed, so after we saw the viewing, he was about to walk off and I was like, John, John. And he was like, oh, hello. And I was like, um, can we get a selfie? And he was like, yeah, of course, it's fine. And I was like, oh, so you were really great in it. Um, basically, just to let you know, um, I'm bored because I've just had, um, um, I'm going through cancer treatment and I've just like had chemo a week ago. And he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I had to see you, I had to see you. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like, oh, um, okay, that's really great that you've made the effort to come and, and see me. Um, that's lovely. And I was like, don't worry, it's not spread. They've caught it in time. You know, it's all good. And he was like, oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic news. I'm so happy for you. So then we got a selfie and then I put it on like Facebook. I put, um, so, so I've been busy tonight. And then like all my friends were like, ping, 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 ping. Like, oh my God, you met him, you met him. And I was like, uh, yeah, because like we're getting married, obviously. <laughs> John Ham, super fan. Yes. Oh my God, he's oh amazing. My and he's better looking in real life than he is in photos. Oh, I love John Ham. But he's, I can't. No, not as much as I love him. No, I'm sure. And also, you'll get married <laughs> to him, so I should back oh, yeah, off, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. really enjoying that use of the. Uh, well, it, it it is the cancer card in a way, isn't it? Oh I mean, yeah, definitely. Like you can uh, use those at certain points, and uh, I don't think anyone's used it as much to get John Ham to marry them. Miranda, oh my word! Thank you so much for bringing us a John Ham moment. Um, oh, I yeah. think I love, I love a John, John Ham moment. moment. But yes, thank you so much for joining us on Afterthoughts. It has genuinely been a pleasure and um, we can't thank you enough for speaking so candidly and um, sharing your stories with us. It has been a real, real treat and we are very grateful to you for your time and your honesty and yeah, your humour and uh, yeah, it's been fab to have you. Oh, thank you very much. It's been amazing. Love it. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Miranda. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was John Hamm's superfan, Miranda Asherty. There we are, John Hamm's superfan. John Hamm, super fan. It's really fun to say that, isn't it? it is. That's why I'm really enjoying it, if I'm honest, Alice. It's great fun to say. Um, what like such a like deep and insightful uh, opportunity like oh no I'm just gonna say that again 
such a deep and insightful load of stories there, mm. Alice. Mm -hmm. Like, and I felt like Miranda really kind of let us in. And we should note as well that Miranda had just had her second second vaccination, like an hour before, right? She had. She just she just had her second Pfizer jab, and she was, um, yeah still kind enough to show up and um, bring her whole self to the table, uh, the afterthoughts table, um, and yeah, tell us her stories. And yeah, what a load of stories, what a load of great stories they were. I loved that she went to the Queen's Garden party in full Ghanaian dress. And um, yeah, I think there was so much great stuff in there, like the kind of information overload that you get when you are diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I don't know, did you get that when like did you get a, like we call it um in in breast cancer circles it gets called like the bible that you get given did you get given like a, a lymphoma bible there are lots of lymphoma books and things but i can't i know there was something i remember some kind of booklet and stuff i mean yeah lots of fun field information and with lots of different different side effects that could happen on, on there and things so but seriously Toby like I've got uh, downstairs I've got a copy of the complete works of William Shakespeare right yeah it was my grandma's and I uh, she, I kind of inherited it when she died but the information that I got from breast cancer care as was and is now breast cancer now it's the same thickness as the complete works of William Shakespeare mm. like in a in a folder like they just hand it to you like hey here you go here's everything you need to know about breast cancer and like you're just diagnosed and you're like <laughs> what do I do with all of this information so I really like I really really resonated with that information overload um, that mm. she was talking about there and one of the things I felt like Miranda made so much of, of I'm sure what um, is inside something like those kind of booklets and things she made it so accessible with the stories of of some of those things that she had experienced and with that's why we focus on stories here and afterthoughts um and uh, yeah alice i want to ask what, what was what were your afterthoughts on today's episode my afterthoughts on today's episode of afterthoughts were like just the importance of like this is something that is re it's really, really important to me is the importance of educating primary breast cancer patients on the symptoms of secondary breast cancer. And yeah, as a primary breast cancer survivor, in inverted commas, it's not something you want to think about. You don't want to think about getting secondary breast cancer. But at the end of the day, knowledge is power. And knowing the signs and symptoms of secondary breast cancer is so important. But... At the end of the day, a lot of it does come down to educating yourself. I only know the signs and symptoms of secondary breast cancer because I looked it up. And I think that, you know, the the doctors and nurses, that they're so stretched. They don't have the time to educate us as well as they would want to so we have to educate ourselves and we look to people like Miranda like Chris and all of the other amazing campaigners and advocates out there who are doing all of this incredible work but we have to educate ourselves and it's really important that that primary breast cancer survivors in inverted commas again do that work so that they know what they're looking for um, should they ever um, get sick again and I just think it's so important mm. um Toby, what about you? What's your afterthought on this episode of Afterthoughts? Yeah, a lot of things that Miranda was saying about awareness and raising awareness, and particularly when you are the uh, young person, the other, you, you are the person that people know about who've had cancer, who's had cancer, like that being like, 
the calls I've had from friends of friends being like my cousin has just been diagnosed with Hodgkin's can you tell me a little bit about that or oh, yeah. and how often that that happens but also like like the fact of going sometimes at that experience and those those moments can help shape like how you view, view the rest of your life as well I was really taken by the conversation about um about fertility and mm. the fact again of how little that is talked about in kind of um, everyday life as well yeah. and yet it is something that is beyond cancer is something that is a is a big issue like in um, infertility rising in western culture and things and I think that um, uh, yeah it just again highlights those those we, we talked about it recently about the superpowers and mm. and superpowers I guess is like makes it seem like it's really like happy happy but it's like the super awareness I guess yeah. of going like um suddenly being like given these these like powers to be able to see that there are things that might be different for people in their lives mm -hmm. and being able to kind of build that empathy because of the fact of what you might have gone through yourselves or see other people going through absolutely and i think just to your point about the people who come to you and ask for um help and advice and guidance i think one of the most powerful things that people who haven't had cancer um who might be seeking that advice and guidance from people who have had cancer one of the most powerful things i think those people can do something that really really moves me actually when people do it for me is they can come to the person who's had cancer and just say hey, I've got a question about cancer. I was just wondering if you have the space to answer it before diving in to ask that question. I think that's such, um, I think that's a really kind thing to do. And um, when people do that to me, and like I'm more than happy to answer questions about cancer, but people respecting my boundaries in that way, I think it's a really generous, generous thing to do. So I would just say, if you ever need to ask someone who's had cancer a question, if you're a person who hasn't had cancer, always just say to them, you know, have you got, have you got the energy? Have you got the space? Have you got the time to ask that question, answer this question for me? Um, yeah, I think that's a really important thing. Um, have you have you had the uh, the, the ding on you? Like normally, it's like on f like for some reason it's Facebook because it's like the old the old way yeah. I used to have conversation with friends. And suddenly you're like, ah, oh, this old friend who oh, I've not spoken to for a long time suddenly messaging me out of the blue. Yeah, I think I know what this. is about. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, always know when you see a name pop up that you haven't seen for years. You're like, oh, this is going to be a cancer related question. Yeah. You always know, don't you? But that's like the importance of being able to comfortably talk about your own experiences right. and, and keep having conversations and telling stories. And that's what we're here for yeah. on Afterthoughts. And it has been another incredible episode. What so, an episode. Um, thank you so much uh, to everybody who has tuned in. And we look forward to sharing another episode with you very soon. Very, very soon. And I look forward to hopefully eating an Easter egg that is the size of my torso. Good luck. <laughs> Bye, everyone. If today's episode of Afterthoughts has brought up any thoughts or feelings that you'd like to speak to someone about, we really recommend grabbing a couple with a friend or dropping them a message. 
There are tons of charities out there who can help you if you've been through cancer and need a bit of extra psychological support. Thanks so much to Trekstock for supporting another series of Afterthoughts. Trekstock helps young adults diagnosed with cancer to get moving again after cancer stops them in their tracks, and the work they do is incredible. Find out more at trekstock.com. This episode of Afterthoughts was created in partnership with Life Effects by Teva, an initiative shaped by patients for patients to help those with chronic illness live better days. Find out more and read articles written by those living with and beyond cancer at lifeeffects.teva.